You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. I'm excited. Uh, I am uh, starting a two-part series, Christmas series tonight, um, entitled Unto Us. And and I really want to dive into uh, Scripture and teach on why we're celebrating and what we're celebrating this Christmas series. Uh, tonight, I actually want to look at the, you know, the incarnation, the conception of Christ, the importance of Emmanuel, the importance of God with us. Uh, and then next, week's, next week, I want to look at the birth of Jesus. I want to look at uh, Mary and Joseph. I think there's a lot of spiritual truths in Mary and Joseph that we can take and apply to our own life. So I'm really excited about tonight focusing on Jesus, and then next week kind of looking at what Mary and Joseph were going through. Um, so I'm pumped. My, my hope and prayer is that, you know, this will stir up thanksgiving in our heart. This will stir up praise and worship in our heart um, over this Christmas season uh, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the, the title of the series, Unto Us, comes from one of my favorite Christmas passages, which is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. And this is a prophetic declaration that Isaiah made some 700 years before Jesus was even born. So really, really neat, really awesome. And so I'm going to read it to us real quick. This is from the New King James Version. Verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establishment establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the lord of hosts will perform this that is so powerful and we're going to unpack that a little bit here tonight unto us a child is born unto us a son is given this is isaiah declaring god really declaring i'm giving you the greatest gift that could ever be given to you this is this is Christmas. This, this verse is God declaring his gift to us is Jesus, my son, I am giving him to you. This is well, you know, in this day this is Jesus saying, I'm coming. This is God declaring he's coming to rule and reign. And when he comes, he's going to be wonderful counselor. When he comes, he's going to be mighty God. He's going to be prince of peace. When he comes, he's going to be everlasting father he, and he's going to set up a government, a kingdom that brings peace that we didn't even know was possible. That justice is going to be served, that all things are going to be made right, and that it's going to last forever, that it's never going to end. But you know, then the Old Testament goes on, and nothing happens. (laughs) Nothing happens for a long time, and really, the Old Testament closes with the people of Israel looking for a Savior, right? They, they, They get brought out of exile, they get back to Israel, but now they're in Israel, and they're under Roman control, and you see some about, uh, about 400 some odd years that God is just silent. He's not speaking to anyone. He's not, he's not talking anymore, and they're being ruled by the Sanhedrin. They're being ruled by the Pharisees and the Sadducees that are putting all these laws on them, just laws upon laws upon laws, and nobody can do it. And it's just, it's a really dark time in the history of Israel, and they're looking around going, I, he's supposed to be coming. He's supposed to be coming. He's supposed to be coming. And God waits for everything to fall into place in his perfect timing. You know, I I probably would have gone a different way, but he he waits for it to fall into his perfect time in history. It doesn't seem like a great time, but it it was the perfect setup. Because you can look 
and say there is no way that could have happened unless it was God. And so you get to the New Testament, the New Testament opens up having found this Savior, having found this Messiah. And he comes in such an unexpected way. You know, the religious leaders, they they thought they had it all figured out. You know, they searched the Scriptures thinking they thought they knew how he was going to come, and they were way wrong. And so I want to look at how he came, why he came. You know, sometime during creation, you know, Satan got kicked out of heaven. He got the boot. Sometime in the creation narrative, Satan got the boot, and and, uh, you know, he deceived angels, and he led a rebellion against God. Like, I don't know why he thought that was going to work out, but he led a rebellion against God, and then he deceives man to join this rebellion. And he, he takes dominion of the earth. He takes authority in the garden. He makes us slaves to sin. But, you know, God in his sovereignty, like, he knew this was going to happen because he, he wanted to give those, the, the creatures in which he created, he wanted to give angels and us free will. He didn't want us to force us to worship him. He wanted us to be able to freely choose to love him. And so what Satan did, what Adam and Eve did, I want you to know that didn't catch God off guard. They, like we don't catch God off guard. He's not up there like worried. He's, not up there, he never, he's never wringing his hands trying to figure out what to do. Doesn't, he, he wasn't caught off guard. He always had a plan. And really his plan was to come. His plan was to come close to us. His plan was to send his son to defeat darkness, evil, and sin, to take back the keys from the enemy. And you actually see the promise of the Christmas story in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. As soon as Adam and Eve fall and God comes in, you see the Christmas story. He says, and I will put hostility between you and the woman. He's talking to the servants, talking to the devil. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Some translations say he will crush your head. He will defeat you. You will bruise his heel. You will think you will take him out, but he will defeat you between your seed and her seed. The woman that you caused to fall, guess what? I'm going to come through her one day, and I'm going to kick your butt. Right there in Genesis 3, verse 15, we see the promise, the prophecy of Jesus being born to a woman to crush the head of Satan. We see the promise right here that God is going to become a man. In the New Testament, you don't see like a whole lot of revelation concerning the Trinity. They just saw him as one God. They didn't even really think of God as having a son. They didn't really expect him to become a man. But we've got to know that about Jesus is that he was, he's, part of the trinity him and the you know even isaiah there says that he is the everlasting father that he and the father are one he he is god he is pre-existent he is eternal it, actually turn to john chapter one real quick i think of all of my favorite christmas narratives john chapter one is my favorite and it doesn't really even sound like the christmas story john chapter one verse one it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's not talking about a Bible. They didn't have a King James 1611 edition up in heaven. <laughs> it's talking about Jesus here. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then you go down to verse 14. 
It says, so the word became human. Or my favorite is, and the word became flesh. And made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the father's one and only son. So we see he's in the beginning. He is God. He's, he is the alpha and the omega. We see right here the, the incarnation that he was before all things, but he is now a man. He puts on flesh. He was born of a woman. Matthew and Luke trace his genealogy all the way back to David, Abraham, and even Adam. He puts on flesh. He sweat our sweat. He bled our blood. He felt our pain. You think about Jesus that he stepped into time. He stepped into a dimension that he never had to be subject to before. It's, that's interesting to me. It's hard for us to comprehend that, I think, because we, we can't think of anything outside of time. Jesus never had to have a schedule before this. God is outside of time. Time is for our carnal, finite minds. But Jesus was outside of that, and he steps into it. He steps into a realm where he now can be mocked, beaten, and ridiculed. He had never been in that kind of realm before. But he steps in to be Emmanuel, to be close to us. And he, it's crazy how he does this because he comes in vulnerable. He comes in as a baby. What's more vulnerable than a baby? That he would subject himself to that and not born in like a clean hospital, born in like kind of a cave stable thing with dirty animals. Like we're about to have our fourth kid and there's no way that we'd go up to the barn up here at Brook Hill to give birth. No way. They're going to be, going to be in a clean hospital. So it's, it's not even the fact that he came as a baby, but that he stepped in before we had all these amazing medical advancements that make, that make pregnancy and birth a lot easier than it used to be. And he decided to come then. He became a man to where he, he was hungry and thirsty. He grew tired. He even wept. You know, he was both fully human and fully divine. He had to become man because only a man could pay, could pay man's penalty. But he came as a baby and grew up so he could sympathize with us. He wanted to face everything that we face, temptation, hurt, rejection. He faced it all. We serve a God who's not far off and distant. We serve a God who is here, who is knowledgeable of our pain. He came close. He got in our mess. He felt what we felt. He had to be fully God because only God could satisfy God's wrath. But without ceasing to be God, he became man. It's a mystery. It's, it's a mystery on how it happened. Matthew one twenty three. the angel is telling Joseph that you will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God came to dwell among us, and he didn't come as a full-grown man. He came as a baby. He went through everything we, he endured everything we endured. He went through adolescence. He went through puberty. Man, acne, come on. Like, that's horrible. Acne was like the bane of my existence when I was 16 years old. It was awful. You know, he's our great sympathizer. We cannot say to him that he doesn't know what it's like being human because he does, because he became a man and he came to reveal himself to us, his character, his nature, his heart, his word. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And he didn't come as a conquering king. He didn't come as a wealthy politician. He was born to a carpenter and a servant girl. 
He came in a way nobody expected. Yeah, that's how God is. He always catches us off guard, right? He, he caught everybody off guard. He, he, I think God does that because he likes to catch the enemy off guard. You know, have you heard the phrase, God works in mysterious ways? It's not in the Bible, but, um, but it's a phrase that we use. You know, I would say, <laughs> I, w- I would say probably the closest verse to it is Isaiah 55 verses eight and nine, where it says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's kind of, it's, it's mysterious. He doesn't do things the way that we would do them. And even when we think we got it all figured out, we know what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, he loves to come and just flip the script on us. (laughs) Right? Like, how many times do you read the Bible and go, I don't know if I would have done it that way. Like, that's weird and backwards and upside down. Like, that's strange, right? You know, coming to Abraham at 75, like, that sounds like, Abraham, you're going to have a kid. You're going to be the father of many nations. Like, what? what? I'm 75. And then at 99, he's going, okay, where's the kid? Like, I'm 99 now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, Mo, you think of the story of Moses. Like, I know, like, hey, the guy that we're going to use to deliver Egypt, to deliver the Israelites from Egypt from slavery, like, yeah, like, when he's a baby, let's put him in the enemy's house. That's a good idea. <laughs> and then after he's killed a man and he's got a stuttering problem, like, let's use him to go talk to Pharaoh. Right? Joshua, hey, man, you want to make this wall fall down? Yeah, get everybody and walk around it right? Gideon, hey man, I, I know you're going up against this army of like 300,000 Midianites. Yeah, you know, your army of 10,000 is too big. Let's narrow it down to about 300. Let's do that, right? Saul, like no, let's not use Saul. Let's use that little shepherd boy named David. And you don't let him put any armor on, like let him use a slingshot. Yeah, that makes sense, <laughs> right? I, Isaiah chapter 20 is the craziest thing to me. God comes to Isaiah and goes, hey Isaiah, I want you to run around the city of Jerusalem naked for three years. You want me to, what? <laughs> right? Don't even get me started on Ezekiel. Like, golly. <laughs> Hosea, I want you to marry this prostitute named Gomer. And by the way, she's going to cheat on you. <laughs> what? <laughs> over and over and over again, you look at things, you're like, I, that doesn't make sense. And it's, even, it's the same with the story of Jesus coming as a baby. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, God, I would have gone a different way. Like, let me help you out here. Like, I don't think it's a good idea for him to ever be a baby. But if he's going to be born a baby, like, why don't you have him be born into a wealthy, influential family and put him front and center of everybody? Like, why don't you train him his whole life to be a, you know, a political leader or, or a warrior? And then he can come in riding on a horse with an army into Jerusalem and overthrow Rome. Like, that seems right. Like, that seems like the way that, that I would do it. But that's not how God works. He doesn't work our way. His thoughts and ways are higher than ours. And we've got to know that God is often going to call us to do things that don't make sense. (laughs) He's going to work things out in a way that don't make sense. Like reflect on your life right now and how in the world did you get here? Right? Can anybody testify tonight? Like God did some things in my life that didn't really make sense. I was on a completely different path and now I'm here. (laughs) God got you here. You're alive because of him. (laughs) You're free because of him. You're blessed because of him. And we think, well, you know, I made good decisions and that's how I got here. Well, you made good decisions by his grace. Like you could have been born at any other time in history, any other place in the world, but Jesseville, Arkansas, <laughs> right now for, you, for such a time as this. You, you, and you didn't make you, 
He made you. Right? It's so funny to me when, like, you see, like, in the NBA, like, these seven-foot, like, one guys, like, celebrating because they, they reached up and they put a ball through a rim. They didn't have a jump. Right? Like, they, ch- like, like, beating their chest like they're, like, some big man. Like, all right, all right, big guy. Like, I know you chose to be that way. Like, I know you chose to be that tall. <laughs> you chose to be that. No. God made them that way. Right? Make a free throw and then we'll clap for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but he made you in his perfect will. He made you look the way that you look for a reason. (laughs) He gave you your giftings and your talents for a reason. He gave you your personality for a reason. And then by his grace, you heard his gospel. By his grace, you were empowered to make decisions that got you in this room tonight. By his supernatural wisdom. You know, it's funny. We're never asked to understand the ways that God works just to trust, just to trust, just to trust in him. And I, I want to look at how Mary and Joseph did that a little bit more next week, but they just trusted in what God told them to do. We've got to know his ways and thoughts are infinitely higher than ours. So he comes to a young virgin named Mary, a carpenter named Joseph, born in Bethlehem. Basically, he grows up in obscurity for, for 30 years, just really crazy. Matthew one eighteen. The angel comes to talk to Joseph, and then you see in Luke one thirty five the uh, Mary story. But it says that she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the how that happened is a mystery to me, but it's the why that's important. You know, our sin nature is passed down from Adam. It's passed down from man's seed. But Jesus would not be created with man's seed, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's you know, in the womb... You know, a baby's blood, baby's DNA, all that is separate from the mom. It's its own, own body, own everything. It just gets nutrients from the mom. And so Jesus was able to be born without any trace of human sin. And because he was born of a woman, he was a man. But by the Holy Spirit, he was the son of God. And then where Adam disobeyed, Jesus obeyed and was able to face sin's consequences for us as our high priest and perfect sacrifice. Because he lived as a man, he fully knows, understands our experiences and our struggles. Because he is God, he has the power and authority to deliver us from sin. In stooping down low in humility to take on humanity himself, you know that Christ actually reveals the exact opposite character, nature of Satan? Because what did Satan want to do? He wanted to elevate himself to be like God. And what did God do. He made himself like man. He humbled himself. He, you know, he never tried to exalt himself. He never tried to make a name. I mean, when Jesus did great things, he told people, he said, don't tell anybody. Right? He never tried to exalt himself. On his last day, when he was about to go to the cross, he washed his disciples' feet. He washed Judas's feet, knowing what Judas was about to go do. He humbled himself to be a baby and he remained an obedient servant all the way to the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Christ allowed himself to be treated as we deserve so that we might be treated as he deserves. 
Christ allowed himself to be treated as we deserve so that we might be treated as he deserves. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is why we celebrate Christmas. We have to understand this. Without the cross, there would be no Christmas. Without the cross, there would be no celebration. But because he went to the cross for us and took on our punishment, that is why we are celebrating. Not just his birth, but what he did. The birth wouldn't be important if he didn't go to the cross for us. Christmas is a celebration of his coming near to us and making a way for us to be closer than we ever thought could be imaginable. You know, Satan's goal was to bring eternal separation between God and man. But in Christ, we have become more closely united to God than if we had never fallen. By becoming human, Christ tied himself to us through a bond that is unbreakable. And it's interesting, Jesus will always be a man. He's actually never going to take off his humanity. How incredible is that? How relatable is that? That we now can relate to a God that comes close to us. This is the promise in unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government, our government will be upon his shoulders. And the increase of his government will never end. His government will always increase. It will never decrease. Since the resurrection of Jesus, do you know that Christianity has only grown? Christianity has only grown. It's only increased in the world since the resurrection. And every time somebody, some emperor or some leader or some ideology comes and tries to snuff out his church, do you know what it does? It spreads like wildfire. Every time persecution rises up, the church spreads like wildfire. It's like fuel for the church. It just grows. His government is only ever going to increase And I think Christmas is an opportunity for us to spread this increase, to build the kingdom. Christmas is Christians announcing the Messiah has come, he is here, and he brings freedom through peace. Luke 2, 14, the angels were announcing to the shepherd peace and goodwill towards men. The first announcement was the angels telling shepherds goodwill towards men, peace, great joy has arrived. It's interesting, as Jesus came to set up his government, to set up his kingdom, he didn't come to overthrow the kingdoms of this world with violence, but he came to overthrow them with peace. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom that reigns by the way of supernatural peace. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God... Is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Jesus wasn't interested in some kind of social kind of deliverance or revolution. His goal was not to fix the external problems of man. What he came for was the heart. He came for the hearts of all men because he knew that if he can bring peace to the heart of man, he can bring peace to the world. He came to put us at peace with God. And in this relationship, we will be filled with peace. When we submit to his lordship, listen, when we submit to his government, then we'll be at peace. Jesus knew that if he could calm the storms inside of man, then, then he could calm the storms outside of man. It, and this is kind of where I want to shut it down tonight, is if you have a peace problem, it's because you have a government problem. If you have a peace problem, it's because you have a government problem. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the government of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. If you 
If you're having anxiety, if you're having stress problems, it's a government issue. Am I wrong? (laughs) His government is one of peace. And if we have no peace, it may be because we don't really trust him. And we're not actually submitted to him in all areas. If you're not really submitted to him, you're trying to live life on your own, therefore causing stress, therefore causing anxiety, therefore causing strife or conflict or whatever. If there is strife, you know, strife in your home between you or your kid or your spouse or whoever, it may be a government problem. You know, I think a, I think a lot of financial problems are, are people that have government issues. Do you tithe? Is your money submitted to the Lord? Can you delay gratification? See, it's, our, our, our finances, it's every part of our life submitted to the Lord. And it, can I just bring some freedom for some parents tonight? Your kids don't need a thousand Christmas presents. Please, 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 please don't go into debt buying your kids or your family Christmas presents. There's no need. There's no need. Don't, don't go into a lot of debt and now you're in stress and anxiety for the next, for the next 18 months because you're, pray, you're paying off credit card debt. And then the holidays just become this stress factor because you feel like you've got to buy all these things for all these people. Are you, right? You know, and I'm working on this too. Like the Christian is supposed to be the, supposed to be the lender and not the borrower. And so are our finances at a place where they're submitted to the Lord or are we using our money unwisely and we're bringing a lot of anxiety and stress and peace because maybe we're not tithing or we haven't submitted, we don't pray about the purchases that we make. It's, it's very easy to get caught up in this consumer Christmas mindset. It's very easy to get caught up in, this, in, in the nation that we live in. It's very easy to get caught up in this entitlement of, we, we, like, I deserve this, or I've got to have this, or my kids deserve this, or whatever. Kids are easy to please. <laughs> we got a new store in town called Five Below. They got $5 gifts. Below, your kids will be thrilled. But if you're lacking peace, it may be a government issue in your life somewhere. That's the point I'm trying to make. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because it talks about it's a government of peace, a a kingdom of peace that he's coming to establish. And then in Matthew 10, 34, he's telling people, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I thought he was coming to bring peace. But he says, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. There's, there's always revelation when it seems like scriptures are contradicting each other. There's always something there, okay? So you've got you to gotta read the whole Bible. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12 says, His word is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any double-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So let me lay this before you. He came to cut anything off of you that disrupts his peace in your life. He came to cut anything off of us that disrupts his peace and love in our life. So if you're, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're whatever, you know, give me your phone and I might be able to show you in about five seconds of why you feel that way. Show you why you don't have any. Show me the music that you're listening to and I can show you why you have anxiety. I can show you why you're depressed. Show me the movies that you're watching. How are you spending your time? What are you filling yourself with? 
If it's not Jesus, then don't expect it to bring peace. And this isn't legalism. I'm not being legalistic. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And so you can be saved, you can be born again, you can be on your way to heaven, but by God, hell, life can be hell on the way there. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but, most, but those things don't bring peace. He brings peace. You know, so do what you want. I'm just saying, if you're lacking peace, there's a greater measure for you. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you must be submissive to one another and clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. You want peace? Submit yourself to him. Humble yourself to him. And he will exalt you. Cast your care upon him, for he cares for you. Philippians 4, verses 5 through 9 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen me put into practice or seen me do, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, it's a submission to his government. It's a submission to his lordship. And his government is peace and its increase will never end will never end. His peace is always going to increase. Do you know what? It should be increasing in your life. And if it's not increasing in your life, how do you do it? He told us there in Philippians, in Peter, I'm sorry, everything in prayer and supplication. You go to him. About everything, you go to him. You submit yourself to him in every situation and peace will increase. It will increase to such a degree that it not, not only are you full of peace, but you will carry peace everywhere that you go. You cannot bring peace into your home if there is not peace in your heart. You cannot bring peace into your workplace if there is not peace in your heart. <clears throat> All problems that exist today in the world are government problems. And political systems are trying to fix them by passing laws, by, cha- by trying to change the economic system. But it's not the outward government of people that needs to be fixed. You're not going to pass more laws and bring peace to people. It's the inward government of ourselves, the root problems of this world is the internal sin of, of each individual. And the fundamental solution is the internal transformation of the sinful heart. The law of God has to be written on our hearts. Jesus always come, comes to establish his rule and his throne on our hearts. He did that by coming close, by giving his life on the cross, by taking back the authority from Satan, by freely giving us his righteousness so that we could be temples of the Holy Spirit. Again, the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. On earth, peace and goodwill towards men. And I'm ending with this. Peace is available this Christmas season. It's available all the time. But I wanted to start with this because this is the prophecy that Isaiah gave about Jesus is coming to establish a government of peace. 
Peace is here now because Jesus is here now. Bill Johnson says that peace is not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. Peace is not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. Peace isn't the absence of noise, it's not the absence of conflict or strife or war or any outward circumstances that are rubbing against you. It's the presence of the Prince of Peace who crushes darkness, who fills our hearts, our minds, our soul. And no matter what storm is going on around us, we can have peace because Emmanuel, God, is with us. This Christmas season, we're celebrating Emmanuel, God with us, God near us, God in us. Goodwill, peace on earth, peace in your home, peace in your heart, because unto us a son has been given. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Amen? Y'all stand with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you so much that you sent your son. Lord, teach us. Teach us how to submit to your government, Lord. Lord, we could all use a greater measure of peace in our life. Lord, whatever, whatever's got us worried, whatever's got us wringing our hands, whatever's got us anxious, Lord, show us those places, God. Maybe we watch the news too much. Maybe we think that, maybe we think that, you know, if some political leader gets taken off his throne, that somehow you fall off of yours. That's not the case, Lord. You're, you are always in control. Lord, our trust is in you. It's not in the economy. Our trust is in you. Our trust isn't in our paycheck. Our trust is in you, Lord. Lord, show us those places, God, in our hearts that may not be submitted to you. Show us maybe the way that we entertain ourselves or maybe... Maybe we spend too much time on social media or on our phones. Maybe we're, 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 we're trying to get likes or followers or identity from someone else or something else. And it's causing us to be unsettled. Settle those places in us, Lord. Lord, let your peace reign in our hearts. Let your peace govern over us, our minds, our hearts, our souls. Let your peace reign in our homes. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you came, that you were born to a virgin, that you lived a servant's life, that you revealed the heart of a father, that you gave your life for us, God. Let us not forget that if you didn't go to the cross, we wouldn't even be celebrating Christmas. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, be with us as we continue this week. As we're out in the the hustle and the busyness of Christmas parties and shopping and getting everything ready and cooking and family and all kind of stuff going on, Lord. Let us find our peace and our rest in you. Keep us safe, Lord. We love you so much, God. We thank you for this time that we got to spend in your word and in worship, Lord. We love you. Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.